Okay, let's get going. Welcome, everyone. I'm always fearful at these breakout sessions that I'll be totally on my own. So thank you for being here. And I'm Denise Myerson. I'm one of the few private providers, it seems, on the schedule. So thank you for participating. So I've had a fabulous year this year. My son in, uh, finished his HSC last year. And he found it so stressful that he needed to go on a gap year. And I decided, you know what? I found it equally stressful, and I'm also going on a gap year. I didn't have one <laughs> in those days. There was no gap years. So I have attended every conference that you can possibly imagine. I've been to America. I've been to the training 2012. I've been to the Society for Human Resources Management in Las Vegas. I've been to Harvard Business School to do the Women in Leadership program. So I'm here today just to share with you some of my insights. And I do have to warn you that it is very much through my own lens that you're receiving this information. But I'm going to be distilling what I've kind of captured over all these travels and what people have been talking about in terms of where is learning going? What are the top eight trends in what's happening worldwide with regard to learning? Is that all right with everyone for the next, I don't know how long we've got, but I'm sure someone will tell me to shut up at some point. So I've got two challenges for you during the session. The first one is an individual challenge. And that is to try and get, if you can, up to at least, and don't stop at eight, but at least eight new ideas or action items or something that's a kind of aha for you or even a reminder because I'm sure what I'm saying to you, you've heard before, but it's just sometimes good to have the refresher. So when you get to eight, please shout eight or bingo or something because we have prizes. So there's always got to do, didn't John talk about the motivation factor? So there's the motivation factor. The next challenge I have for you is a group challenge. So I think just the people around you will cluster and that, that will be your group. And the group challenge is, before I give you what I see as the top eight trends in workplace learning, I'm going to ask you what you think they are. Just thinking from your own experience, from the people you've been talking to, from your reading, from your research, what do you think is going to appear on my list of the top eight trends in learning? So I'm going to give you two minutes. If you can find a scribe in your group, the scribe needs to be the person who has traveled the furthest to get here. So... As I go through what I see as the top eight trends, what I'm going to ask you to do is just tick off on your own list whether I mention it. It doesn't have to be, obviously, in exactly the same words, but just if the idea is similar or close enough, give yourselves a tick. So here is number one. It's all about a numbers game. Anyone know what those numbers refer to in a learning context? 90, 20, and 8. Any idea why, why I would put those numbers up? <laughs> yeah, okay. 90 refers to just generally how long someone can kind of concentrate. So as we break our sessions up into 90-minute segments, 20 minutes within that 90 is about how long they can do some intense work. 
And the number eight, it refers to we are getting the fact that we're getting so schooled by television that every eight minutes, the ad breaks come up. So when students and, and ourselves as adult learners come into a room, every eight minutes, we expect something different to be happening. And I think that has a really big impact when we're designing face-to-face -face and online learning. And the number six is also important. The number six, for any of you who've ever been in marketing, if you, if you work, for example, for Coca-Cola, they want you to see their branding at least six times in six different ways for you to really remember it. So you'll see it on the T-shirts, you'll see it in the supermarket, you'll see it on the billboard, you'll see it played on TV, you'll hear the adverts. And the same applies to learning. So this thinking about how we entrench all that learning and embed it if we don't say it at least six times in six different ways to our learners. So really, for me, and it's always been, and I still see this as a big trend, that if training does not lead to some form of change, why do it at all? Send people out onto the harbor, they'll have a nice time, they'll enjoy themselves, they'll be, come back more motivated than forcing them to go through your e-learning program or through any other program that you're putting them onto. We heard this morning how motivation is such a key factor. Well, maybe the harbor cruise gives more motivation than sitting through an e-learning program that isn't changing every 90 minutes where things aren't being re reinforced. And so what's really stopping all this change from taking place in the workplace? And I mean, I can, we could spend the rest of the day debating why is there no change post-training? Uh, and there's so many factors. You're going to find all workplace issues, toxic workplaces, workplaces where there's no time. I mean, the list is endless. But for me and what I certainly saw and, and heard so many times in these conferences, that in fact if I had a dollar for each time it was mentioned in a conference, my purse would have been pretty full, was that one of the key obstacles is that people can't remember what happened in the learning. And when I talk about the training room, I mean e-learning, I mean the training experience. They can't remember how many times, even after today, you're going to go back to work and people are going to say to you, and you've been here for how many hours? You'll have been here for eight hours. What did you get out of it? And you're going to go, um, what was the lecture? That she said something. And we can't, we just don't really remember. Certainly not eight hours of a day are we going to be able to recall. And so some of us, when we traveling, and I, I don't know, today we obviously had to think a little bit about how we got here, but when we generally get to work, do you sometimes get to work and just think, how did I get here? I hope I stopped at all the traffic lights and <laughs> didn't push someone over the escalator. And a big message came out, is that if we want our students to remember things, we've got to turn on their RAS, their reticular activating system, which is a part of the brain that forces us to keep looking at things that could be different in the environment. I mean, sometimes when we're traveling along to work and you, you see things as they are, you, your RAS isn't switched on. You're back into habit mode. And I don't know if some of you recall a few years ago, there was a story of the two pilots in, in the USA who were traveling to, I can't remember if it was Cincinnati or Minneapolis, and they flew straight over the airport. The control tower was shouting at them, 
please listen. They were chatting, they carried on. 200 kilometers past the airport, they realized that they'd gone too far. And I don't know, I think they were fired. I don't know what happened to them in the end. But they were so in the habit of doing it that they just didn't realize what was going on. They couldn't notice the differences in the environment. And our RAS tends to go to sleep. It's switched on, for example, if some of you have ever bought a new car and you, you particularly want a red Ford or whatever it is, and suddenly you see all the red Fords on the road. For women who've ever been pregnant, suddenly everyone looks pregnant because you're noticing it. And the key question for us when that comes to training is, how do we prevent our own participants from being on that autopilot? Because it's so easy to slip into it. They're clicking, next, next, next. And off they go into slumberland. Or they listen to the lecture, the same slides up, our voice is the same. They're used to us as lecturer, presenter. What do we do to get them out of that autopilot? And that is, for us, the big challenge. How do we look for these learning tools that make the, the, the knowledge, the skill, really stick? And it's a huge challenge, particularly in, in a learning space, when your main thing is click. Click where? And that's, that's going to be a big trend, is trying to find all these different tools and techniques and technologies and methods and processes that keep it fresh and different for our students so they're not in click mode. Make sense? Have you got that somewhere on your list as something? All right. And trend two is, and I think from this listening into you at some of your tables, is that the webvolution model is, is continuing. There's no question. I mean, it was only 1993 that uh, the, the, the web, the internet really became accessible. It's not that long ago. You know, it's, <laughs> it's certainly within our lifetime. And look where Facebook is now, the, the fifth largest continent in the world. So <laughs> it's quite a shift in, in a few years from, from, where, from where we were. And that trend is continuing. And I think quite a few of you had that on your list, is that, you know, the, the training room, that was the training room of the, the 18th century. I don't think it's that much different today. <laughs> you know, it's got the same kind of a look and feel about it. And, and this is where we're going. We're going into second life. We're going into different kinds of models of learning, which are going to be more simulated. And certainly, it's going to be a case of learning, the networking side of learning, Learning is about the change. It's the human kind plus the internet kind. The new currency is going to be this information. Insight is the outcome. And interaction is going to be this transfer. And it could well be happening in Second Life. Has anyone ever experimented with learning in Second Life? Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, quite a few here. Great. Okay, you're the pioneers leading the way. We need to please uh, find these people in the room and, and keep focusing on them because that trend is just, it's just snowballing. It, there's no holding it back. I think even uh, John Buchanan said, you know, it's just, it's on its way, they, they, despite all the barriers. So, social media is also here to stay. For those of you who are tweeting today and, uh, 
you know, just keep doing this because the numbers are staggering. I mean, look at this. There are 800 million active users on Facebook. And Facebook's free. Whatever you think of it, it's 50% of those people are logging on every day. Why aren't we making use of that? The, the YouTubers, look at them, 800 million unique users of YouTube with 48 hours of video. I mean, it's just mind-boggling numbers. Are we using that in our learning? Are we making sure that we've in, incorporated that? I mean, it's certainly what I call the, it's the Kim Kardashian generation. She doesn't uh, tweet a billion tweets a week, but that's how many tweets are going on in the world. I think she has... 15 or 18 million followers. <laughs> this is, we're talking big numbers here. So it's just the trend is there. Let's just keep capturing it. And if you go right back and look at even Barack Obama's campaign to become president and how he used the social media and how he had people on their iPhones connecting with each other and setting up little groups. And look how much money his opponent raised, 360 million in his campaign. Look at uh, Obama raised 750 from using social media. None of this is going away. So we're either going to be with it or just keep try fighting it. What's the point? Move along with it. It's all these, the Flickr today. They, the pictures are going to be loaded up onto Flickr. People are already taking uh, their tweets down. The, the slides will be, it's happening today. Let's keep, let's keep moving with the trend. So it's making a learning space that's much more fluid than I think we're used to. Because we're used to the training room or the e-learning space. And now we've got everything else in between. So we're reaching out to people in different ways. And we really have to think how we're going to connect to them. How we're going to induct them. How we're going to give them almost loyalty rewards were spoken about at some of the conferences for people as they continue their, their learning experience. So, trend three is blended is here to stay. It's just that now the blend has become so much juicier because there's so many different things you can include. It's not just the traditional type of blend that we, we've thought of previously. So that trend is, is certainly on the march. And it's there from start to finish. It's there in terms of how we invite people, how we get them involved through Facebook in events, how we brief them, how we induct them, how we assess them. There's so many mixes that are now possible. And I know that I'm preaching here to some of the converted. So if, if you, this is what you're doing, you are totally, totally on trend. There's a lot of virtual training happening. I don't know if there's any talk today around virtual training in the, um, through, like webinar training. Somebody's doing that. Get good. Go try, go to that event. Try and go to those if you can, because that's certainly very much where things are going. I think particularly also what John was saying with the distance factor, and um, that, that's going to make a difference. So have you got some of these ideas down on your list? Yeah. Has anyone got to eight individual ideas yet? I need to give some prizes. <laughs> okay, somebody was brave enough to shout yes. Here's a brain. Can you catch? <laughs> there you go. Woo! <laughs> all right, so here's trend number four. And it's all about the role of the trainer and the designer. Because certainly what we're seeing is that Sometimes some of us come into the field and 
fantastic to you guys and give yourselves a great pat on the back because you've been here to keep your development going. But sometimes I find we get a little bit stuck in kind of how we always did things and not, not keep moving ahead. And the trend at the moment is how are we as trainers and as developers going to assist our learners to come to their own understanding of things. It's not just the, the pull down the throat, which we know intellectually, but I don't know if we always do that. Is how are we going to ensure that the learning does cause a little bit of pain along the way? Anyone know what that is? A zoo? Yeah, there's a good guess. Yeah, you go. <laughs> Have a brain. <laughs> anyone else? A dog. Where? Can anyone else see a dog there? You can see a dog. Dog. Park bench. <laughs> there's definitely a dog there. Yeah. Tree. I couldn't get this um, very clear, but here's the ears, there goes the dog, and here's his legs, he's a Dalmatian dog. Did everyone kind of see it? I don't have time to give you a chance just to see it, but my point here is that certainly when, when, we, when we work with, with our learners, We've got to try and help them find their own Dalmatian dog. Sometimes it's a question of put the, put the, the spots and the blurs and the gray areas up there and they allow some of the learners on their own to discover where that Dalmatian is. And that's a big trend in learning at the moment is helping learners come to that aha moment so that they don't just have this inert knowledge that somehow they know that they can apply the principles that you're showing them. Make sense for everyone? Helping learners to find their own Dalmatians? All right. Turn to the people around you, and I think do it in English, I think will be easier, is just to say the days of the week. Just amongst yourselves, say the days of the week. Got the days of the week said? Yeah. All right. Now, say them in alphabetical order. <laughs> aloud, aloud in alphabetical order. <laughs> Hello. Are these university tape? <laughs> Tafe train people, you've got it? Okay, let's hear. All right, we've got someone who's got it. Is that correct? <laughs> I don't know. All right, it's not so easy. I mean, we've said the days of the week. You look at me like, why does she ask us to say such a, do such a stupid thing? But when you suddenly have to remix it and reshuffle it, it's not as, as straightforward as that. And so the trend is how are we going to show our learners and help our learners to unlearn things sometimes. 
So that when they are confronted with different types of situations, they can apply their learning in different ways. Because what's the point of just showing them the standard traditional way of doing things? Uh, as John says, 50% of jobs are no longer in the standard way anyway. They, it's all changed and, and upside down. So that certainly is a trend. Next question for you is, are we all trapped in DDD? Anyone like to have a guess as to what DDD stands for in this context? <laughs> Any guesses? Dreadfully <laughs> dull delivery is a great one. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Dinosaur design and development. And by that I just mean the traditional, the same old, we've, if you're e-learning developer and you uh, uh, caught up in um, some of those packages that you always use and just fill up the information. Is that the case? Or are we as trend number five? Trend number five is, are we thinking about ABCD? What do you think ABCD stands for as opposed to DDD? <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. What was that? Fantastic. You get a brain. <laughs> well done. That's about right. It's the activities-based curriculum design. What are we going to do? And activities can be very different because in the e-learning context, activities aren't always that straightforward to create. What are we going to do to enable this activities-based curriculum design? Here's someone that I highly recommend that you read more on TRG. Here's someone who's going, fantastic. Well, here's your expert. Yes, please, please follow, what's your name? Vicky, please find Vicky, get information from Vicky. TRG is the chap, he's the, the guru on activities-based curriculum design because he absolutely says that anything can be taught through an activity, anything. And if you look at some of the readings that are coming out in the research, and again, many, many presenters all talking about teach through activities, anything, and do them in your 90-28-6 format. So, that was trend five, and we're on to trend six. How are you doing on your list? Has anyone... Right off the track. <laughs> Look, I, and, and, and as I said, these are just through my own lens. There's certainly many, many other trends out there that are equally, equally important. But trend number six has definitely been, and for me, around linking the learning to the workplace culture. Because what, as we said at the beginning, is the point of sending someone back into a culture that really doesn't support workplace learning. And these statistics, I think, are really important for us to remember. Because 70% happens on the job, 20% through coaching and mentoring. And for those of you who do face-to-face -face training or formal e-learning training, only 10% is happening through that. So that makes us, if we thought we were really important in the big scheme of things, it kind of puts us back down to size because we're not. It's really, the, if the, the workplace culture is not 
what it should be in terms of supporting learning, well, what chance is there of change taking place? And, and what role then do we have? I mean, is our role being extended now into looking more at the workplace itself and the workplace culture of learning? You know, I think it is something for us to consider because I think traditionally we haven't seen our role in that area at all. So it's expanding and extending the role of the, the trainer and, and the developer. Because the culture is going to drive everything. So if the culture is that positive, happy, engaged culture, your, your role as learning professional is so much easier. But if it's that kind of culture where everyone's miserable, disengaged, don't want to work here, huge turnover, what, what chance of success um, do we have? And so it's going to be up to us as facilitators, as trainers, developers, designers, researchers to do something about the culture too. I don't think we can keep that out of our, our job roles anymore and out of our, our roles and responsibilities. So I need someone who has a phone that can time 30 seconds or a watch who can time 30 seconds for us. Right, Melanie's going to do it. We need it exactly 30 seconds, please, Melanie. If you're not well or have some health reason, please don't do this. But for everyone else, I'm going to ask you to try and hold your breath for 30 seconds. All right, so kind of shake it up, shake it up. <laughs> Get ready. All right, and Melanie. <laughs> Did anyone get there? It's a long time. It's a long time. Okay, here's what, what top divers can do. <laughs> they can hold it for 11 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds for me is about <laughs> the limit. But that's what they can do because they can use their oxygen more efficiently. They're training themselves to do that. So the message from that is trend seven. We've all got fewer resources now. There's less budget. There are fewer people. And John said we are chronically understaffed. And that was his exact words. And I think sometimes we all feel that. So how do we do more with, with less? And if we can hold it, th that breath for 30 seconds, surely we can hold it for another 11 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> Train ourselves. Find the shortcuts. Find ways of doing things differently. Use things that are freely available. Use things that are in that blend that we can mix up differently. And I think we can be very innovative, uh, innovative around that. Here's TIG again, and he talks about his BCF principles, which are, anyone want to guess BCF? I have more prizes. <laughs> better, cheaper, faster. Better, cheaper, faster. And that's a big trend in learning now. Go out and find those ways of doing it better, cheaper, faster. Okay. So, I'm going to ask you one last thing to do, and I'm going to ask you to stand up. This is a stand-up one. And I'm going to ask you to see how high can you reach up. How high can you go? Is that how high you can go? Some very tall people. <laughs> <laughs> you can always get that little bit higher. Thank you. Thank you. And here's a, a brain for you. <laughs> Because certainly, I think that as 
as facilitators, trainers, developers, we can all, we're doing well. We can get this high, but there's always that little extra, that way of finding to stand on the chair, reach that little bit more. And a big trend is about our own continuous growth and development. There's certainly been a lot more emphasis on getting us to continue learning because so much new is happening all the time. If you're missing a year of this conference, and for some of you who possibly weren't here last year, I'm sure you're seeing a huge difference over the time period about what people are talking about, what the thinking is, where the research is, what's happening, what's going on here. So that is certainly trend, trend uh, number eight, is that we have to take that time out ourselves just to re-examine things, just that little downtime, re-examine, think where we have to change things, reframe things, things that we'd thought of before but maybe aren't so current anymore, redefine what we've got to do. So that as our learners, our students, our participants go through things, they really come out transformed at the end of that learning experience. Does that make sense for everyone? Did anyone get to eight new ideas for themselves? No? Five? <laughs> no? My brains, yeah? Five? Five! Yeah, good for you. <laughs> okay, and certainly... No, that's good, as long as they're of yours. <laughs> and, I, and I hope that this conference as a whole is just going to reignite our passion as well. I think sometimes we just need that re, that, that, time, that time for re. Just so that we just keep thinking about all these different ways that we can really embed the changes, just make, make all the difference. So I wish you well, wish you well for the conference. Uh, please connect with us. We, I need lots more Twitter followers. I'm nowhere in the Kim Kardashian sphere yet. So please follow us on Twitter. We've got a YouTube channel. We've got, uh, if anyone's on LinkedIn, please link with me. I love making all the connections. And lots of luck for today, and keep learning. Denise, thank you so much. Thank you, Denise. We do have about five minutes, four or five oh, minutes for questions. Okay. So that's good. Good. If, they, if you haven't got a question, I've got something else and for you to do. And wait till I bring the microphone, please. Hi, Denise. Thank you. I'm wondering from a learning organisation perspective, because that was the, the buzzword about 20 years ago, do you th what's your perception of the growth or the concepts of learning organisations and are they any more discussed in any of the conferences that you've been to? Thank you. I mean, certainly, and thank you for that question. It def there has been such a strong swing to talking about organisational culture. It just what, what happens in the culture, how we as HR or L&D or whatever our title is needs to be participating in driving that culture. Because cultures don't just happen by chance. They happen by design. So if we're not helping participate in the design of that culture, no good sitting back and saying, oh, things around here are so bad and oh, and moan and groan if we're not being proactive about it. And that's what I refer to as that really changing role of the trainer. We just can't sit in 
TAFE or wherever we come from nicely and think, oh, it's got nothing to do with us. I'm just here to, to teach, you know, a few, a few students. Being really more proactive in that culture area. Hi, Denise. Do you know much about um, transformative learning? Because we do lots of informative learning. And um, it, it just seems like, I mean, in the stuff I've read about transformative learning, it would actually unlock much of the informative learning that's actually happening. I know. And, and thank you. And please, if you, you sound like you do know a lot about that. And please, I encourage you to just keep networking this conference and go to people who do know more. And it's, it's really about making sure that the learning is so entrenched that people can start, as they go back to the workplace, apply things. I've seen what we call a lot of scrap learning happening. And the research is showing that there's up to 80% of learning is scrap learning, which means that learning that just goes into the bin, that it's irrelevant, that it's not needed. So how do we get the learning to be so targeted that it's not just the nice to know, but it's really focusing on that need to know? So that when people do go back into the workplace, they can apply things, they can do things. Because that's the only way that it's going to really transform what they're doing. And the scrap is nice, because the scrap's the nice discussions. And maybe that is part of the process, but maybe it's not. And scrap learning's got to go. With budgets being so tight, can you afford to send someone or, or design a, an eight-hour e-learning program to have only 80% of it really applied or remembered or even thought about. It's a big, big budget issue as well. Uh, I think we have all been talking about it. Uh, you know, a lot of learning takes place in the workplace. And what we have been trying to do is engage the workplace supervisor. Yes, yes, that's a brain. Oh, you've already got a brain. <laughs> that, that is brilliant because that is something that I didn't mention is the strong focus is on training up more coaches. So there's a huge focus on training supervisors as coaches, whether they be coaches to help embed uh, learning from face-to-face -face training or e-learning or training up those coaches to help manage the e-learning process. There's a huge emphasis on that. So thank you for reminding me of that one. Thanks, Denise. I think we need to wrap it up there. Um, otherwise, we'll be really late for lunch. Um, <laughs> but thank you for um, your presentation. We do appreciate uh, all things. I think, I think you really hit the nail on the head. We've got, to, we've got to engage. We've got to speak the language of the organisations that we are working with. So on that note, I'd like to make this presentation. Oh, thank, thank you, you very so much, much. Thank for, you, uh, for coming thank and being you. with us today. Thank you. And Good luck, everyone, at the you. conference. Keep learning. Thank you. Thanks, Melanie.